guys, welcome back to episode three of the Capital Creeps podcast. Again, this is your host, Danielle, and today we have got one that I honestly didn't think that I would get into this quickly, but it was a request, actually. So this was requested to me by Reese. Um, He's out in Houston, and... He likes this topic, and honestly, a lot of people like it as well. Um, I personally just find it particularly scary, so I I didn't think that I would get uh, into it this quickly. But today's topic is skinwalkers, and I know most people have probably heard about them before, but everybody wants to focus on something different on this topic, and so today I thought I would try and go a little bit of a non-traditional route and not focus on the main points that I've noticed that most people talk about. So let's just get into where they came from and who they are. So to begin with skinwalkers, I'd like to first categorize them. They are not a cryptid. They are a species. So think more along the lines of a mermaid, you know, where they can appear in different places. They don't really, they have places where they've been seen, but they don't necessarily have a territory and that's the only place where you'd find them. So because of that, uh, a lot of the stories can be varying, you know, in, in what they are and they can differ a little bit in who they are and what they can do. Skinwalkers have their origin here in the United States and they were actually passed down from Native Americans, specifically the Navajo tribe. And there are other similar things to skinwalkers that have been seen and told about and passed down from other tribes, but skinwalkers in their most traditional form are brought to us by the Navajo people. So what are they besides something with the worst name possible? Um, To me, part of why they're so creepy is the name itself freaks me out. I hate it. Um, So what they can do is they are people, um, but they can shapeshift into animals and they have... Some a common theme amongst skinwalkers is having deceptive deception and being very deceptive people because they're living a double life and they're fooling their tribe by pretending to be a totally normal person. Meanwhile, by night they're lurking around in the woods. So the thing about skinwalkers that <laughs> is kind of the worst part is you're not supposed to talk about them that it's kind of one of those things where it's like magnetism where if you speak about them they will gravitate towards you so you're not supposed to talk about them um, which actually kind of makes me curious as to how these stories manage to continue to be passed down after this long because it seems like this is a pretty common superstition so 
maybe a few brave people just decided to keep telling the stories. But yes, it is something where um, you can attract them to you by speaking about them. So you're not supposed to talk about them. So oopsies, I guess I messed up on that part. (laughs) And skinwalkers, um, another thing to me that makes them kind of scary scarier than normal is it's not like somebody is just born a skinwalker you actually become one so there are a few ways in which it has been said that you can become one and all of them are pretty bad (laughs) which again kind of makes it scarier so one of the ways in which they say that you can become a skinwalker is if you are a medicine man in your tribe and you start abusing magic and using it for evil purposes, so the magic, the evil magic itself kind of begins to corrupt you until you become a skinwalker. And this is kind of a common theme in all the ways in which you can become a skinwalker. So another reason that some people say that you can become a skinwalker is if you do something really, really terrible. Again, it's sort of the same concept as doing evil magic and it corrupts you, but this is just doing an evil deed that doesn't necessarily have to have any magic happening with it. So this can be if you do something super heinous like kill a family member or, you know, do something for that would negatively impact your tribe like you know purposefully destroying crops or something like that so another thing I should add is most skinwalkers are men and whether or not this has to do with because you know the common way that you can become one is becoming a corrupt medicine man or if they just thought that men were more capable of doing these bad things I don't know But anyone can become one, but it is most commonly men who are skinwalkers. There's another legend as to where skinwalkers came from. Um, I like this one a little bit more. I think it's a little bit more um, interesting and a little bit less creepy. So essentially they say that there were these divine beings that were sent down to earth during the creation period and so you know for Christian religion you would think Adam and Eve type situation and so they say that the skinwalkers were sent down to help humanity develop and figure it out but that they were supposed to leave earth after they helped them out but that some of the these beings wanted to stick around because they were greedy and they wanted more time down here for whatever reason and that because of this they went from being divine beings to sort of like fallen angels so to me I get kind of like Lucifer vibes from this because you know that's what he was was a fallen angel so although all three of these theories were completely different as to how a skinwalker is made. They all follow the same theme of, you know, somebody or something is corrupted by things like greed. Um, and so, like I said, they look, they appear to everybody else 
as humans. And so when we talk about skinwalkers, we're it's sort of like, you know, imagine if you went to work and you lived your life, you know, at the office and everything was super normal and all of a sudden you noticed a super weird presence and, you know, according to the legend, you would have it in your mind of, oh my gosh, somebody here is evil. And so again, this this monster, I guess monster would be a word to describe it, is really scary, genuinely scary to me because for those who think that there is a skinwalker in their tribe, it could be anybody. And so I think of how much scarier this is than you know, a typical monster like a Bigfoot or a vampire where everybody knows, okay, let's all band together to fight this force or to ward off this force or even just to hide from it. But with skinwalkers, the call is coming from inside the house, you know? So anybody that might be trying to help could be the skinwalker itself trying to deceive you. Because like I said, the big thing about them is they're very deceptive. They live their life as human beings and they do everything they can to fool you into thinking that that's all they are and that they're not a skinwalker. Because of course, you know, they don't want anybody to catch on to them. They don't want people to try and stop them from doing whatever skinwalkers do. So super creepy concept to me. They you know, like I said, the call is coming from inside the house. I It's it's very scary. And the skinwalker, actually, like I said, the name is awful. I hate the name. It's so scary. But they get the name because, like I said previously, they transform into an animal, but they don't transform into animals in general. They can transform into one particular animal, and it's usually a predatory animal. And whenever they're in their skinwalker mode, they would wear that animal's pelt on them. So they're wearing their skin, walking around with their skin on. Skinwalkers. So they also can choose which kind of animal that they transform into. And the skinwalker in general has powers. Um, Like I said, they're particularly sneaky and, well, they can transform into animals. But the type of animal that they become can also determine more specific powers that they have. Like I said previously as well, um, they're a species. So there's not one particular way in which a skinwalker may act or one particular thing in which a skinwalker might do. So for example, um, if they were, you know, a wolf, they might be really strong. If they were, if they transformed into like a deer, which not really a predatory animal, but that does seem to be a common one. If they transformed into a deer, they would be really fast. So you just pick and choose what they feel they might want to do based on what powers they think are the most advantageous. So they do have general powers outside of the specific powers and the powers that all skinwalkers possess is the ability to read minds as well as control minds. The ability to control night animals. So they might have like an owl who spies on people for them or something like that. 
the ability to manifest illness, the ability to bring about death, and the worst one, the ability to reanimate corpses and they might use the corpses to do their bidding around the tribe, do the negative things that they want to happen. So call back to last week, reanimating corpses. <laughs> and skinwalkers, uh, you're not supposed to look at them in the eyes. Uh, again, you're not supposed to talk about them. You're not supposed to look at them. Stay away from them. You're not supposed to look them in the eyes because... Uh, like I said, they have the ability to control minds, and if you look at them in the eyes, they could get you under their spell. And now you're walking around doing stuff for them that you might otherwise not have wanted wanted to do. So they also say that skinwalkers might, when in the form of an animal, jump out in front of your car at night to try and make you crash. So you know. <laughs> Watch out for the roads. That that deer in the road might be a skinwalker. You can also tell if somebody is a skinwalker. There's, it's a little bit, um, a little bit of a paradox because you can tell if a human is a skinwalker if you look at them and they have animal eyes, but you're not supposed to look at them in the eyes. So, be careful skinwalker hunting around your tribe. And so while they're in their animal form and while they're being skinwalkers, you know, lurking around at night, they can do terrible things like commit incest or cannibalism. So not really good guys, not good dudes. We've talked a lot about the origin of skinwalkers and just a general overview of the things that they can do because unlike some of the other things that we might talk about, this one is very heavily based in history, has a lot of historical context. So let's talk about what it might be like to experience seeing a skinwalker. Just like last week, but even more so, these reports are very vague. They have been, you know, these these are tall tales. Skinwalkers are kind of almost like urban legends before <laughs> there were urban areas so you're not going to get specifics um you're not going to get very many times very many locations you know that's just what happens because these skinwalkers are much more based in legend than in you know a general oh this is like the Loch Ness monster it's a lot more based in um folklore which I love. <laughs> I love it. I think the stories get a lot more fantastic whenever you do that. But just a heads up, you're not going to get very many specific things. And that's okay because that's just the nature of it, stories of a being that have been passed down for hundreds of years. So these sightings that I have, a couple of them were actually a little bit more recent. And I figured that it might be best to put in some more recent ones just to try and explain that while the roots of the skinwalkers are based very heavily in Native American folklore, they are still talked about today. It's not something that um, they stopped talking about whenever, you know, the they were forced onto reservations and stuff like that. It, they're, they're still talking about them today. So... 
in the 1980s, it said that there was a family that was driving through a Navajo reservation and that they were doing a turn. So they slowed down a little bit to turn when something jumped out at them from a ditch and it had dark hair all over its body and was wearing pants and a shirt and sort of looked like half man, half monster. Again, uh, when you're thinking skinwalkers, think kind of like a werewolf that hasn't fully transformed yet, where they're a little bit more man than monster than you would uh, think about with a traditional werewolf, but you still do get that half and half, the hybrid thing going on. So this family was like, ooh, that's scary. And they went home and went about their life. They lived in Flagstaff, Arizona. And one night, shortly after they had the encounter with the being that jumped out at them, they awoke to the sound of drums playing. They looked out their window and they saw three figures that appeared to be in the form of humans, but were drowsed in shadow. They played the drums and it seemed like they wanted to get in to the people's home, but they realized that they couldn't get past the fence that they had around their house and they just disappeared. So the family thinks that they were encountered by Skinwalker. This story, this next one, this next one is terrible. This next one is terrible. I hate it. It's so scary. So a man was doing routine maintenance on his ranch home when all of a sudden he heard the sound of a man laughing. Don't think a cackle, think kind of more of a deep chuckle. He thinks that he's all alone. He lives alone out on this ranch, but he can hear that it's coming from his sheep's pen. So he goes out there to investigate, see what's going on, when he noticed that all the sheep are kind of huddled together, as sheep do, except for one ram who's off in the corner by himself. He goes up to the ram and is like, hey, what's going on, you know? When the ram looks at him, laughs even harder, like a human man's laugh, stands up on his two feet, looks him in the eyes, and just walks away. Now, something about this that was even worse is the man looked into his eyes and noticed that his eyes didn't seem animalistic at all. They looked like that of a human's eyes. When it came to this story, I was a little bit confused as to why a skinwalker might choose to take the form of a ram or a sheep. But then I thought about it, and if it came to powers, I would think that a ram or a sheep might possess the powers of camouflage you know sheep blend in and if you wanted to deceive your tribe that would be even more advantageous than just keeping up with everything with your regular powers so this one this one was interesting to me I think it would it was a little bit more if if you were just gonna walk or you'd be thinking a little bit more outside the box if you chose to be uh, a ram this next story is to me, it's a it's a really great way to help explain the legend of the Skinwalkers. So, in 
1864, the Navajo people were forced on what was called the Long Walk of the Navajo. There was a series of wars that went on between the United States Army and the Navajo people, and eventually they lost these series of wars, and they were forced on reservations. The reservation is called the Bosque Redondo, and it is in current day New Mexico. For four years, they were displaced from their homes. The United States Army and the United States government eventually told them, okay, you can come back. But during the long walk, think the Trail of Tears on a smaller scale. People died of illness. People died of exposure. People died because they were going on elements that they weren't used to. People got sick. People went hungry. People starved. People didn't have water. And they're in New Mexico, you know, so you have to think that must be really rough terrain. So whenever they came back four years later, they still experienced hardships. To me, I think you could explain these hardships by one, they were displaced for four years. So while they might have had crops before, they might have had homes built before, they might have had water systems set up, all of that is gone and they had to start from scratch, I'm sure, or at least run down and they would need to have to go work on it again. So after they came back, they just continued to still experience tragedy. During this time, the Navajo people were convinced that they had skinwalkers amongst them that were causing these things to happen. So they actually had their own version of the Salem witch trials, essentially. Everybody was pointing fingers. People were trying to just find a cause for all the misfortune that had taken over. And so because of that, they became riddled with paranoia as a whole tribe. In the end, 40 people were put to death for being skinwalkers. And this was called the Navajo Witch Purge. So, in the case of skinwalkers, there are real-life consequences to being accused of being a skinwalker, and there are real-life consequences of suspecting that there are skinwalkers in your tribe. It's more than just stories. They believe it to be full-on fact that skinwalkers are real, and if if they're not taken care of, they can hurt you. When people think skinwalkers nowadays, especially modern day sightings of skinwalkers, most people think about Skinwalker Ranch. Even if you're not very well versed in the world of cryptozoology, monsters and all that, you might have heard of Skinwalker Ranch because it's gained pretty popular notoriety because of all the characters surrounding Skinwalker Ranch. Skinwalker Ranch is just outside of Ballard, Utah. And it is 512 acres, which is pretty big. And also, conveniently, uh, 512 is the Austin, Texas area code. So Skinwalker Ranch was originally, at least in 1996, first known for having Skinwalkers at its location because of the owner at the time. His name was Terry Sherman. And he would go out and take his dogs on walks in his along his ranch. So one day he is 
going on a walk with his dogs. And you have to remember, this place is 512 acres. It is huge and it's in Utah. So, you know, there's a lot of national parks out there. There's a lot of open land out there. And it seems like this was not anything different. It's very open land, pretty much uninhabited, 512 acres that he had to himself. So it's pretty much just, you know, him and nature besides the dogs. (laughs) So he was out there walking around and he was very familiar with wildlife at this point in time. But something weird happened one day, like I said, in 1996. He noticed his dogs starting to get nervous and he looks up and he sees a wolf. Now, I'm going to assume that Terry was not new to wolf sightings or to sightings of any wild animal, especially ones that might be scary. But something that was different was this wolf was what he described as three times the regular size of a wolf. Now, to put it into context, if you haven't ever actually been up close and personal with a wolf, they're already huge. Huge. I think a lot of people, when they think wolves, they think kind of like mangy huskies. But wolves, pure-blooded wolves, are actually really, really big. Really big. So if something was three times the size of a wolf, it's got to be massive. So Terry was rightfully scared of it. He noticed that there was also something different about the wolf outside of it being massive. It had more of a sinister energy to it and... It seemed like less of a wild animal and more of a wild person. So naturally, that freaked him out. Around that time, he also started noticing that uh, his cattle were being mutilated. Cattle mutilations are something that a lot of people associate with UFOs. And typically, it's when a cattle or cow is found dead, but there's something wrong with it. In a, in a way that is not normal, in a way that it wouldn't be just scavengers. Like, for example, maybe there's just a small surgical incision and all its organs are missing or its eyes are ripped clean out, something like that. And so, again, this is somebody who owns a giant ranch. He's seen tons and tons of dead cows before, but he noticed that these ones were dead in a very particular way. Despite all the weirdness that had been going on, Terry was a tough cookie, and so he didn't really let it face him too much. That was until he began to hear the voices. He would be sitting in his kitchen and have the window open, just letting the open air through, or just taking his dogs on walks, and he would hear voices in the distance. It was almost as if they were coming from the wind, like they were being blown in specifically for him to hear. The voices were in a language that he didn't recognize, which made it that much scarier to him because not only were the voices coming from a foreign source, but the language itself was coming from a foreign source. So he couldn't place exactly what they wanted from him or if they were talking to him, they were talking about him. If they didn't even recognize his presence at all. 
Eventually, it freaked him out so much that he decided to sell the ranch. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that meow, but my cat is definitely in the mood to hang out right now. <laughs> so Terry sold the ranch, but this is where the story gets even more interesting. He sold the ranch to eccentric millionaire, maybe even billionaire, Robert Bigelow. He sold the ranch to Robert for only $200,000 back in 1996. Now, although it hasn't been that long since 1996, in today's dollars, that would be approximately $350,000. I don't know all that much about Utah real estate or how much ranch homes go for, but 512 acres plus an entire ranch plus all the stuff that went along with it, like the cows, seems like a bargain. So it seems like Terry was in a hurry to get out of there quickly. Like I said, he sold it to Robert Bigelow. Robert Bigelow made his money through real estate and he quickly rose up to be somebody who was involved in stuff like this. The paranormal, the creepy, the unexplained. But he wasn't just a fan. He was a funder. And after buying Skinwalker Ranch, he put a lot of money into trying to figure out what was going on there. Because although Skinwalker Ranch is known for the Skinwalker activity, the wolf that he saw and the whispering coming from the woods, it's also been a hotbed for UFO activity. People claim, like I said, that uh, cattle mutilation happens there a lot and... A lot of times cattle mutilation is more associated with aliens than anything else like a, like a skinwalker. As of now, it's a place where people can go and tour it and check it out and see whatever they want to see. But Robert didn't just buy it to be there and experience the creepy stuff. No, 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 no. He set up shop there. He hired a crew to watch over the place and... He put up a ton of surveillance so that if anything did happen, it wouldn't just be, oh, well, we had guys out there and they saw this, this and that. No, 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 no. We had guys out there monitoring the 24-hour surveil surveillance that was there. So supposedly a lot of this stuff has been caught on camera and it's kind of just a place where people go to see weird stuff and talk about weird stuff, but... I personally, I don't know that much about it, but I don't put that much faith in uh, the whole situation. But a lot of times when people talk about Skinwalkers, they pretty much only focus on Skinwalker Ranch. But personally, to me, what's a lot more interesting is the origin of Skinwalkers, where they came from, the sightings that people claim to have seen that have nothing to do with Skinwalker Ranch or Robert Bigelow. But as for skinwalkers, I think it's kind of easy to trace back where they could have come from. With a lot of monsters, it's kind of hard to put yourself in the position to say, why are these people claiming they saw this, this, and that? What could have led people to believe that there were big feet roaming around? How could somebody claim to have seen the Jersey Devil or the Tooth Fairy or whatever? But with skinwalkers, I think it's really, really easy to understand where they came from. 
So I think it would be a huge disservice to Native American people to just act like there's some primitive weirdos that come up with a bunch of crazy stories just to pass the time or because, you know, they were so primitive and they believed in this kind of stuff. How weird is that? No, I, I don't think it's anything like that. Personally, I do think that it is easy to understand from just a religious perspective. In every religion, there is a devil. And a lot of the theories as to where skinwalkers came from kind of have almost religious backgrounds to them. Like I said, one of the theories is that they are fallen angels. So that is a religious reason. And it also can kind of be a way of, you know, different types of spiritualism might call different things different things. So, you know, not every religion is going to call the source of evil a devil. Their source of evil may be skinwalkers. They've been corrupted by the evil forces and now they do evil things. So that reason to me is pretty easy to understand. A religious background, they're the evil guys in their religion that they practice. Another reason that I think is so much scarier and which adds a lot more to the story of skinwalkers and explains a lot more as to why I find them so scary is because in a way they are real. And what I mean by that is it's not like they're saying, oh, I saw a skinwalker do do this, this and that. No, the things that they're saying were done by skinwalkers were actually done. So, For example, in the story of the long walk of the Navajo, all the terrible things like disease, famine, starvation, all of that, they were done to these people. And so in a way, skinwalkers was kind of like a way to cope because there was an actual source of evil in the situation. And in this particular situation, it was the, you know, the European settlers. They came and they did horrific, unspeakable acts to these people. They brought illness on purpose. They forced them into intense physical labors with the Trail of Tears and the Long Walk of the Navajo. And they didn't care. And in fact, they encouraged it when members of their tribe died because of this. That was the goal, essentially. Get them out of my face. This is my land now. So thinking that this was brought upon by skinwalkers, to me, is a way to cope with the evils of humanity. It is really hard to understand how somebody could do something like that, how groups of people could do something like that. We still are obsessed with figuring out how exactly the Holocaust came to be, how we got these people to do such terrible things without seemingly having it on their conscience. There are survivors of the Holocaust today, and we still don't understand, even after listening to their first-person accounts, we don't understand how this could have happened. So imagine... You're living in your home. Everything's all good. And all of a sudden, these strange new people come in and 
destroy everything you've ever known, destroy everything you've ever loved, and destroy every sense of safety that you've ever had. Yeah, it might be hard to wrap your head around it. And yeah, it does make sense that they couldn't believe that anyone could be so cruel. Any human could be so cruel. So in a way, skinwalkers are an explanation for the evil that exists in some humans. And of course, it's not just European settlers. The legend of the skinwalkers existed before they came about, but bad people have always existed, and I'm sure bad people did bad things in tribes to their own tribes people forever, just like people do bad things to their neighbors all the time. They always will. It's just normal. But again, skinwalkers are sort of like an explanation for how could somebody be so evil to their fellow man? This story kind of goes into what interests me so much about the topic of monsters and stuff like that is how could something be passed down for hundreds of years before computers, before even a way to fully document it besides word of mouth? And with the Legends of Skinwalkers, it's, like I said, very easy to understand. It was a way to kind of help these people sleep at night in a way. I'd rather be paranoid of witches than just think that any day now, my neighbor might snap and kill me. Just because. Next week, I have something, again, super fun planned. It was fun to do something that was a request this time because it kind of felt like, uh, it felt nice to be wanted. (laughs) So, tune in next week. This one's probably going to get up a little bit later today, uh, later than I would like it to be, but we'll manage. Next week, hopefully, it won't be the case, but... I'll see you guys next Tuesday, and until then, you guys stay spooky.